This is a Broad Pods production. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. People say life is a journey, not a destination. But how do you know you're on the right path? If only we could see the signs when they appear. Well, I'm Amy Kwa. And I'm Jo Stanley. And on A to B, we speak to fascinating people about how they navigated their way to be here now, having profound impact on the world. We hope our conversations will help you reflect on everything you've been through to get here. The triumphs, challenges and bumps along the road. And if you haven't already, find your own map to what matters. Now I can really say that, you know, three years on and I still feel like an infant in this learning of Diana. I feel like I had a rebirth, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I feel so young. That, that's I think that's why I'm still, like, bouncy in life because I, I'm experiencing life again. Joe, I think there's often an enigma surrounding comedians. They make a living making other people happy, but what is really going on behind that performance, I really wonder? Well, let's answer that question through the lens of this episode's guest. Diana Nguyen is an incredibly joyous and infectious comic talent who also has the most beautiful depth to her. Yeah, she really does. She's one of those people that I've been drawn to in everything that I've seen her do on stage and online. But it wasn't until we sat down and explored the moments that have made her this very unique person that I knew about the very traumatic experiences that she's overcome to be such a glorious, sunny performer who brings so much light. Oh, she does. I'm so inspired by her because she is someone who so purposefully leans in to her darker experiences, learns from them, accepts herself. You know, she really is determined to live fully and freely. I just love her. Please enjoy comedian Diana Nguyen. Diana, it's so lovely to have you on A to B because we just think you're so joyous and I know you've told me you're living your purpose. Yeah. You actually have articulated that and you're very young to know this already. How old are you? I'm um, sweet 38. Right. <laughs> a baby. A baby. I feel that's so young to know that you're living your purpose. Yeah, I think when you know, then you strive and you do it every day and that's simply joy. Wow. Yeah, that 
I can't live without it and creativity is part of my joy mm. and people are part of my joy and so I surround myself every single day with those people, mm. those activities, which is dancing and, yeah, making people laugh. So, so what is your purpose? Let's articulate that. Uh, being a joyful so uh, I'm, I'm trying to spread this out to the world, which is it's okay to fail because in the fail you find joy. And so I fail in everything, whether it be love, family, friends, my career. That's great goal setting. It's <laughs> 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 true. <laughs> you should be a public speaker on goal setting. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what, what can I fail at today? Actually, do you know, <laughs> as an aside, one of my absolute heroes and one of my favourite stories is from uh, Sarah Blakely, who was the founder of Spanx. Ah, right? Yes, yes. And she says that one of the keys to her success was growing up, her dad every night at the dinner table would say, what did you fail at today? Mm. Mm. Don't you love that? That's juicy. Yeah. Because then the the (laughs) conversations that come out aren't just like, oh, it was a good day. No, but also the expectation is not to always succeed. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you failed at? (laughs) Oh, oh God. Um, Well, I think the first testament of my failure was my mother. I didn't fulfil what she expected me to be. Mm. So you failed in her eyes. Yeah, that was really early in life as well, you know. What um, did she expect you to be? Uh, it was this whole world of, you know, my weight, being the eldest daughter and I had to be responsible for my two younger sisters because uh, dad left when we were quite young and I had to step up as a child and take on these responsibilities, um, you know, not being a doctor mm. and working That's in... That's always a big one. It is. Or a lawyer. Or a lawyer. But it was like, and I understand why, because she came here by boat with nothing. And so all she wanted was success. And so, you know, the arts is not success. It's what makes you feel, right? That does not bring money. But my mother is the one who was the one who brought the arts into my life, that the karaoke in our house, piano lessons at three three years old, ballet classes. But then when year 10 came, she kind of went, oh, no, 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 no. We're done. Now, now let's go back to the science and the maths. And, yeah, so I always felt like I was failing with her. Mm. I felt like I could never get anything right. And that was the massive disruption in our relationship for a good 20 years. You said that you understood the way that she was because she'd come over mm. on a boat mm. in inverted commas. Well, actually not inverted commas because it was a boat. Yes, it was. <laughs> I was like, what? what it was what, a yacht. <laughs> what's the inverted commas of an actual boat? <laughs> <laughs> it's a cruise ship. <laughs> oh, dear. It's just a light in our vernacular. Anyway, yes. yeah. as you know. So you you said that you understood, but did you really as a little girl understand or is it later in life that you've looked back and gone, ah, now I really understand why she was so hard on me? Yeah. The a, when I started doing performances and creating art, did I start to write these moments I had with my mother and then made them into theatre pieces. And then I realised in reflection, and that's why I love the art so much because we reflect and sit there and watch, that, well, my mother sacrificed her life to come to a country so that I could do better and have the education that she never got to fulfil and, you know, be an individual. However, that clashed with the Vietnamese culture, which is, you know, family, 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 family. But, you know, being Australian, we're like, we can do whatever we want, we can have the jobs we want, we can fall in love with anyone we want. I, and I remember the key moment I went, wow, my mom is an amazing human being was when we were in Vietnam in my grandmother's kitchen at 2 a.m. We're packing our suitcases to go back to Australia. And that's trauma itself. Trying to tell your mom, mom, it's only 20 kilos we can take back to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> not, I thought you were going to say that's 
We're reliving the journey no, that she made. No, I talk about it in my show. My mother made me pack 58 kilos over the limit. Jetstar. Oh. Yeah, I've talked about it. With, oh. with what? It would tell us. Oh, like a quilt that she had to bring back, um, woks, okay. butcher knives, ten, ten books. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've talked about it in my show called Naked and, and also in Chasing Canaries. My mother had packed so much and I had to swallow it because it wasn't f- worth fighting her mm-hmm. that when we got to the airport, the woman at the check-in was like, you have to pay eight, like 13 $8 million, dollars. 13 US dollars per <laughs> kilo over. It was 58 kilos. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where your maths kicked in? <laughs> no, that's where my mother's trauma kicked in and she had a fight with Jetstar in the airport where they were going to confiscate our passports and keep us in Saigon. However, um, an angel woman from the plane, a Jetstar attendant, came up and said to my mum, are you okay? And my mum says, I'm okay. And somehow we all went onto this plane with 58 kilos over a, a luggage limit. And, she and was everyone like, witnessed Look, it. that worked. Yeah, no, that, that worked. Um, thank God my mother went so aggressive with this woman and stood her ground. But for three days I could not talk. Mm. After that, because mm. I just exhort my mother's fury. Yeah. What, what, like what when you're in that? Because I kind <laughs> of understand. You know, it's triggering to yes. have. Kind of brings up all of the times you've had fights with your mother yeah. for your entire life, right? Mm-hmm. So, what space do you go into when you cannot talk and when you're absorbing that kind of fury? Ah, uh, I, th- I think for me, and my mum also says this is like she says to me, "I care more about what people think about us." Um, my mother always said that I don't protect the family first and I, I understand why now. But, yeah, in that moment I just went, okay, what are people looking? What are people doing? Oh, my God, mum, this is so embarrassing. Mum, what are you doing? And so I just kind of go into fight and flight mode. Mm. Yeah, it's like, mum, how do we fix this situation? And so I was already on, like, how do we fix this, you know? And I, it's not my problem. It's her problem. But, yeah, I, I, you go into fight and flight and you mm. just numb it and just try to weigh it out. I'm just yeah. going to interject with a very small bonding moment here mm-hmm. and that is that my dad used to like to travel with his things in garbage bags oh. and the flight attendants at the check-in would pull him up on it yes. and he would explain to them how the garbage bags were much more robust than some people's suitcases <laughs> yes. and then he would grab some stranger's suitcase and say look to at To make this. a point. <laughs> And my brothers and I would just be wanting to crawl under a rock. Yeah. So I get it to an extent. You can't fight them. Mm. They're right. I mean, parental (laughs) relationships have such impact on the way we live as adults. Mm. What what has that done for you as a person? I I won an award in 2021, which is like the Asian Australian Award. And it was the same year that Grace Tame won the Australian of the Year Award. So I call myself the Grace Tame, but the Asian version. Okay. And um, uh, congratulations. Oh, thank you. Amazing. Yeah, it was a real great honor because three weeks before that, I was ready to quit because it was 2021 COVID again. And I just felt, oh, why am I investing in something that does not pay me? You know, like it doesn't um, feed me what everyone else is getting fed. So, As um, in being in the entertainment industry. Just, just to be a, an adult. You oh, know? just to be an adult. Yeah, mm, like yeah. I just want to buy things yeah. and I don't have yeah. to worry. I, don't yeah. wanna, I, don't wanna, I lost like $11,000 in the comedy festival in 2020 and I was just like how much more money do I need to lose in an art form that, that I've been doing for 16 years? How many more times do I have to lose money? 
Yeah. Yeah. But I've also realized that I'm not a normal artist. I'm also an entrepreneur. So I take risks. I fail. Mm -hmm. You know, I love people who fail and I love people who kind of climb up again and keep going. Mm. But I've forgotten your question already. I've forgotten it too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we went into the 2021 award. Yes, Asian Australian Award. Impact of your mother on the person you are. That's right. So in my speech, I said, thanks, mum, for never believing in me so that I could be here to show you I could. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. And she's your biggest fan now, isn't she? She is. She is. She's um, like I remember doing Miss Saigon in 2009, like it was amateur theatre and the day after she was like, oh, if you need an actor, I can perform too. (laughs) (laughs) Now she wants to do a double act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And like when I MC events and, you know, um, I'm performing and dancing as a character, my mum would get up on stage and dance and not care because she sees me doing it. And so I I know that she's watching and I know it's impacting her because she's, yeah, she's got this beautiful freedom now. Her, all her three daughters have grown up doing their thing and all she needs to do is take care of herself. Yeah, so what are you giving her? You're giving her so much. Oh, why am I not giving her as a grandchild? Oh, well, wow. It's constant. Oh, love. <laughs> um, it's constant, constant. But well, my Constant mom, in that Asian way that she's like, so What's when? next? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think also... Uh, I remember we did an SBS radio interview and the presenter said, are you proud of Diana? My mum said, I am because I used to resist her and fight her on her career but now I understand that she's allowing people to know our story. Mm. And she had never articulated this to me ever but it was a live SBS radio interview Mm. (laughs) and she just opened it all up and then, yeah, I... I know she's proud of what I do. That's pretty beautiful. It yeah. is. My mum, the one time she was on uh, radio um, with my on my breakfast radio yes. show, the only time, um, she <laughs> said. You nipped that in the bud. Well, this is when I was on Fox FM. Yeah. She said, I've got one more thing to say. Joe, why couldn't you get a job on the ABC? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like. Okay, that's okay. Uh, thanks, um, that was my <laughs> mum. Once again, it's that thing of like you just want your parents to be proud of you. Yes. And when when you have that fear that they're not, you go, am I rejected from the family? Mm. I mean, it really goes to the core of your sense of survival. Yes, it does. Because as a, as a you know, tribe, mm. we want to be accepted. Yes. Right? We want to belong. Yeah. So, mm. but you're showing her and now she's proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that I can do what I love and also um, show next generations that they can do what they love as well. Mm. So take us back a bit then to your childhood Mm. with your mum and you're the eldest sibling. Yes. What was life like? I mean, apart from, you know, the rigours of piano and mm. all of the things that your mum was getting you to do, Mm. what what was life like? Where where did you live? Yes. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in a small town called Springvale. Uh, very prominent of Vietnamese refugees because the hostel was there. My two parents met there, fell in love. However, no, I tried to articulate it without making it a big deal because I now understand what happened in our family, which was it was a domestic violent home. You know, two refugee kids who had never processed war would face each other off. And so our house was like living in eggshells. And I remember in 1993, we were put in a women's refuge, like the police put us in as family women's refuge. And I was eight years old. And um, across the road from our house was a ballet school. And my mum thought, you know what, I need to get my daughter somewhere safe. 
So she enrolled me into these ballet classes. And so that's where the arts can happen. In crisis, my mother knew how to put me into something that would balance me out and be okay. And so, yeah, that was the... And a distraction from what was going on that's it. in your and day-to-day I, life. And I didn't know that that was such a gift that my mother gave me, like for her to go, oh, I'm going to give something to my daughter and buy her ballet shoes that I can't afford, but I'm going to put her in these classes. And my parents eventually divorced, but then... As I said before, I became the man of the family. Like I had to take care of my two younger sisters. The youngest was eight, uh, eight years younger, and I became her mother, not her sister anymore. And that's really affected our relationship as as adults. And I became a, a caregiver. Like when my mother had depression, I had to make sure my sisters were safe. I had to walk them to school, cook them dinner. I had to be an adult really, really early. And so, you know, school was my escape. Like. Going to school for those six, seven hours kept me safe. And, and then when we went home, I was an adult again. Was there someone at school, a teacher oh. or a friend or multiple people who were your real supports through that time? Yeah, I was still friends with the girls from grade four. So that's like 30 years of friendship there. But I always wanted to be a teacher uh, because I had these amazing teachers who heard me. A guy was singing in the school choir and the teacher would turn around and go, I think you should join the choir. (laughs) And then I did. And, you know, these teachers kind of nurtured me to be where I am. And so in my heart, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. However, being a performer outgrew that. You know, my, my drama teacher from high school, he said, you know what, finish your arts degree, go do the acting at nighttime. And if that fails, go do your dip at Monash. And I never did do my dip at Monash. Yeah, so these educated you know, teachers just wrapped me up and kept me so safe. And eventually, of course, I became a school leader of my school because I wanted to serve my school. I wanted to serve the people who took care of me. I'm so grateful that I had school to protect me. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Do, do you have now that inclination in you to care for people? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think it's just innate in me. I just care. I just want people to grow. For me, it's like I need things to to evolve and grow and see them bloom. And when I see that in other human beings, it's it's not even work. It's just part of my nature. But the joy that you exude and Mm. your energy is just so um, contagious and so positive and beautiful with the content that you create Mm. and just you as a person just stepping into the room today. And even though we're talking about some very difficult things in your past, have you found that that joy that you're really focused on has been healing? I mean, that's probably an obvious question, mm, isn't it? It is because I have had depression for a very long time. I've seen a psychologist for 11 years and there's that, you know, that word imposter syndrome when you people go, oh, my God, you're so happy and joyful. But there was also something tapping inside of me going, that's something not right. It's not a full joy. And 2020 was the very the big year for everyone when COVID happened, where my, my industry was shut down. I could not move. I couldn't do anything. And I really had to evaluate my joy. I just had to do an assessment mm. on like, what is this joy thing that you're doing? And why do sometimes every three months, or every three months of the year, you feel shit? Mm. Yeah. Is it a facade? Are you, are you just showing up because you're making money from it? Like, where does it come from? And um, in 2020, I, I had to sit down and, and go, Ugh, Diana, you have so many wounds that you've covered up that you need to dig really deep. And I'm so grateful that the lockdown in 2020 and 2021 mm. did that for me because I 
would not have had another chance to do that in my life. What What was the inquiry process that you went through mm, in that time? Yes, yeah, so I realised that I sit with shame very easily. That was the word that came up for me when you were talking mm. about the airport yes. with your mum. I'm like, <laughs> that's that's shame. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about what other people think and yeah. Yeah. So I was sexually abused as a child and I, I loved the arts and I carried the arts to not think about it. Community was very important to me so it was always on the side and I never dealt into it and I'm completely fine now and I don't know if you will put this on this a pod, but yeah. with your permission, yeah, we yeah, will. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer: You don't have to say that you're completely fine yeah, now yeah, because that's I true. know yes. that feeling where I say to everyone, "I'm fine." Yes, yeah. but there's yes. always stuff going on. Like you say, you put it so beautifully. That feeling inside, just tapping at you, saying, "This is you're not experiencing right. yeah. full, wholehearted joy." Yeah, it's something I know. It's my life, and I, when I say I'm fine, I say it that I've got tools use when I'm not fine and so I think for me that's what I'm trying to articulate is I'm fine because I've got so many tools in me got my oils you You did you did have a little you had a little process with your oils before we started which I I was like "Mm, I want me some of that (laughs) yeah I I can get you some of that natural oils (laughs) um but yeah so seeing a psychologist for 11 years like Something wasn't right, right? So, you know, I'm going to depression. And then when I turned 30 and I was not in a relationship, I decided I was going to gift myself with something. So I went and made a, I went to the police and made a historical report. And for three hours, I sat with them as a gift to myself as a 30 year old. Like I wanted to shift something. Um, And that was in 2011. And then, you know, I fell in love with someone and it got swept off again. And then that was shelved and I wasn't ready to go forward to the courts and stuff. It, not, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone to go to the courts. So I just kind of got swept it under back underneath the blankets again. And then, yeah, just had this whirlwind up and down, emotions like chaotic, <laughs> having fights with my family, trying to figure out who I was. But with joy, it was there and my arts was there. But then also it was this, this weird niggling things like something's not right. And so uh, March 2020 lockdown happened. I lost $11,000 that was going to be saved up for freezing my eggs. And then I remember watching this video on Facebook as a sponsored ad that came up and it said, it just spoke straight to me because it was like, how do you own your power? It kind of feels like a Tony Robbins kind of video, but it wasn't. Which P.S. I love Tony Robbins. <laughs> Got no issue with that. No, no at issues all. at all. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but um, it was this woman named Polly Nguyen, who's a spiritual coach, and it spoke straight to me. And then I started to enroll to a round table. And then all of a sudden I was in a three-month spiritual accelerator program. And it just cut away the bullshit that I have allowed into my life constantly, which is toxic people. This um uh, allowing people to encroach in my orbit, also reshaping the victim story for me. Like I know it happened, but why am I letting the shame eat me up more than what happened? And so that was a real configuration, real configuration. And once I did that, then the self-love happened, you know, and yeah, now I can really say that, you know, three years on and I still feel like an infant in this learning of Diana. I feel like I had a rebirth. <laughs> to be honest, like <laughs> I feel so young 
that that's I think that's why I'm still like bouncy in life because I I'm experiencing life again. Yeah. Mm. So ah, <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I know. It's so beautiful. And then I fell in love last year and with a man who really loved me, and I felt like this for the first time a man really loved me and showed me what love is, and that I deserve love. And unfortunately, that relationship hasn't continued. But now I like fuck. I gotta honor this. This is me. This is Diana. I can't live in the shame and let that story eat me anymore. I've got to live now, present, do what I do, fail, joy, laugh, you know, dance and have deep conversations. And when you ask me to come on here, I was like, oh, you inspire me <laughs> to keep doing and articulating, talking, you know, because we need our voices to be heard. And so, yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, this is so Wonderful, <laughs> just the, the real Diana, the authenticity and, and just the, I don't know, the liberation of just being able to be who you are. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I, and about 2,000 people know the story because I talked about it in my show Chasing Keanu Reeves. I just stood on stage and said, this is my story and I failed. And, you know, part, part of the healing in 2020 was I also went to see a sex therapist and I fell in love with my body and my flaps. And, you know. <laughs> I mean, I love my flaps. That means I yeah. love my flaps. <laughs> I acknowledge her now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've got a question for you around the joyful. This you yes. created this brand, mm. like the joyful. And yes. I don't mean brand as in it's inauthentic. It really is you, right? <laughs> yes. But you have this beautiful dancing that you mm. do, which and you take it into a corporate space. Yes. And I know that people go, "What's she doing?" Yeah. She's dancing and then you get everyone up and everyone joins you, right? That's it. There's something around how important it is to move your body, mm-hmm. to move trauma through yes. it. And I wonder, was the dancing a precursor to you then being able to do the work to find the freedom from the shame? Yeah, I think um, that ballet class that my mum enrolled me in was kind of the first kind of medicine I needed to get me through to where I am, mm-hmm. like just moving my body. And when music came out, I just went, that's, that's just natural. And mm-hmm. so now uh, when I move my body, I just know that every cell in my circulation is active. I'm, I'm not sitting in um, my, my shit. Well, I mean, it's yeah. literally you're, you're um, regulating, self-regulating yes. your vagus nerve, right? That's so it. that's really important, like yes. the science of it. Yes. But it actually relates to, I suppose, you are then owning your body and your space how you wish. Yeah, I'm putting limbs out everywhere and not giving a crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. I am. <laughs> I mean, you're a fantastic dancer. I am. Yeah. But I, I can also <laughs> be a shit dancer too. <laughs> yeah. No, just think that mm. the idea of just moving that trauma through your body, mm. out of your body, mm. releasing it, there's just something so profound in that. Don't you think knowing what you know and having experienced what you've experienced and having come this far, do you just have this feeling that, oh, my gosh, everyone should just be dancing? Well, that's what I did two weeks ago. I did a 250-person conference Every interval I got everyone dancing and we'd been talking about refugees and settlement and how shit it is. But I said, no, so we can sit in this place of like, oh, the world is crap or we can go, we take this information and now let's move our bodies so it processes through our bodies and so that we can now absorb new information 
And so I've usually used as a process to get corporates, people who are wearing suits or people who do dance privately just to do in front of other people because instantly, always, guaranteed, there's always a little giggle that comes out some, like of their souls. And that makes me feel happy that they felt that. And if people can just feel that little, oh, you know, oh, my mm. goodness. Or, but, oh, you know, all these sounds come out when you do something that's so uncomfortable but just so innate in mm. you. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Because it's confronting that self-consciousness that we have and going back to the airport story Mm. with you, with your mum, you were so self-conscious of what was going on and dancing is just a complete affront to that. Like you are confronting your demons essentially through dance. Maybe I should have danced at the airport that day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you'd known that. Some some mob dancing. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meantime, meantime, your mum's sneaking through with the face. <laughs> That's right. Good decoy. Yes. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You know, I know you also work at the Royal Children's Hospital. Mm. You're a part of their, what's it called? I'm a clown doctor You're a clown for doctor. the Human Foundation. Oh, so you yeah. are a doctor. Yes. <laughs> full circle. Full circle. I tell my mum that and she's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so you were in this beautiful, I've had, a, a you know, lots of experience at the Children's mm. Hospital with my daughter and it is extraordinary and the kids there, some of them are very, very sick and you're there for them. Yeah. What has led you down that path because a lot of people would find that really hard. Yeah, it is hard. Very confronting. <laughs> it is. So I was made redundant from my government job in 2016. Talk about a good fork in the road. <laughs> yes. I mean, being sacked really <laughs> does force you to make a decision about your life. And when there's a redundancy, <laughs> it yeah. can take your places. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I used half of the redundancy for Edinburgh Fringe in 2017, took half that money. I still lost a lot of money and then half of that money went to clown school for four months full-time in Melbourne. Um, a fantastic, legendary clown teacher, John Bolton, he teaches the VCA as well. This opportunity came up. I was like, I'm redundant. I got, why not? So I learned clowning for, it's physical theatre, but I learned clowning for a month and then I got a, an audition and it was the hardest audition I've ever done in my life, three hours of improv, nonstop. Constant. I remember going home from that audition and sleeping because <laughs> you're you're like yeah. constantly. Oh yeah. Oh oh oh. And you, you got to be so present yep. the whole time. Yep. Yeah. You gotta yeah. be burning. You gotta be burning fires. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly. Actually, that song is on for three yeah. hours <laughs> in your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got it. You're just spinning plays and you're juggling yeah, yeah. and you've got yeah, yeah. song. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they said, we want you. And since 2017, I've been Dr. Sunny at the Royal Children's and Monash Children's Hospital. And for me, I think the joy transformed into like 
Diana, you can perform in a thousand people, 100 people audiences, but my audience is a child and that child still gives me the same joy I get. And so that just made me go, oh, yeah, sure, fame's great, but my work is it's just that feeling that I can make someone's day a little different. Yeah. Mm. Those, no, those walls, you've been in those walls. Yeah. They're not great. Oh, awful. Yeah. And parents, also the parents mm. also need a release as well, like in an emergency during the week this week. The child was fine, but once the mother saw the child laughing at us, she started to cry because mm. that was the key for her. Yeah. And yeah. I'm f- so grateful and more people need to support the humorfoundation.org.au. <laughs> they do. <laughs> We will put that in our notes. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's. And so, but why children? Why are you drawn to children? I love children. Mm. I was meant to be a mother very early in life. But thankfully, um, I didn't meet the right men early in my life because of the chaos. I was attracting very, not toxic and men who weren't on my level. Mm. And I've always had felt like most of the men I've dated, I've had to grow them. Mm. Oh my god! Yes. I think I kind of feel like most women would say that it's ill. Don't do that. Find someone who's on the same level as you mm. and grow together. But if they grow fast, then go with them. Mm-hmm. But or oh, I'm just going to throw another throw one in, in there. Or just accept that you're on different levels and growing Absolutely. at different paces, yes. Yes. and just be okay yeah. with that. Yeah, if you can be. But yeah. if you can't be, then. I'm pretty cutthroat on my journey. Well, I do want to ask about that because you know, you had you were so in love yes. with this beautiful boy. Mm. You were in, where did you live? You were in Byron Bay. He, I met in Byron Bay, but yeah. he moved back to Melbourne. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then he was, yeah, you know, I showed this year. I even talked to you no know, made a funny joke like when you're ready, just put leave the sperm in there. Because <laughs> what my mum says, she said, she says, Diana, if he's the one, don't worry about getting married. Just sit on top of him, and when he's about to come, just let it shoot up. <laughs> and then just leave the sperm in that, there. I mean, it. it sounds easy. Save money on IVF. You know, that's what my mum's trying to say. It's all business. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it didn't. It didn't work out. And this is very fresh. It only happened four months ago. Mm. But, yeah, I walked the Camino to process it. I always imagined I would have three daughters. Um, in my yearbook, 20, 2002, I wrote, in 10 years' time, Diana will have 10 children. Ooh. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got three. Maybe that's a good fail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I am very grateful that I have not had <laughs> children. No. But there is this, you know, obviously I feel there's a grief that you haven't yet had that. Yeah. The well, baby that you so want. Yeah. Well, that's it's interesting. Like when the breakup happened, I grieved for f- five, six weeks in Melbourne. Three days after the breakup while lying in bed, I must have hyperventilated. So I've, I do this thing called holotropic breath work mm. in my um, part of my process to regulate my breathing and, you know, um, have visions but not take ayahuasca drugs, you know. Mm-hmm. Like um, I, I, I really am all about the mind and spirituality and I somehow must have hyperventilated so hard that I felt like I was giving birth to something. This is going to sound work so No, cook, I love it. We love so work. This so is woo-woo central. <laughs> yeah. Do not worry. Okay, You're in a safe space. Yeah. yeah. So I was so, so distraught. I was crying. I remember I was lying in bed crying that I had to go into my falls on my bed and I had to push something out. Like something was happening in my body. And that day I decided to book my ticket to go to Madrid and walk the Camino de Santiago. Like that was the key 
to get me <laughs> to get out of Australia. And yeah, July 16th, I walked with my backpack, with my heart uh, in so much pain. Uh, my glutes were in so much pain by second day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had to really process who Diana is and who is Diana in society. And, you know, the expectations of Diana, like mum wanted me to have grandchildren also, you know, being surrounded by friends who have children. Um, but I am also surrounded by people who don't have children. So I was just, I was in my brain just processing all this. And I finally made a decision that I will have to freeze my eggs. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, I, I just which can't is what you anymore. Had, which is what you had intended. I had intended in before COVID, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wish I'd frozen them when they were you know, five years younger. But that's okay. So mm. that's, we've got science now. But the main reason why I want to freeze my eggs is because I really do, and I was thinking about you when I was driving here, Joe. like you, what you have with Daz is beautiful. And I really believe there is one, someone, mm. someone for me. Mm. I want to emphasise, by the way, yes. when Mimi was saying, or <laughs> you can just choose to accept that you are at a different level. Yes. <laughs> felt very real for me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know many people that that's not real yeah, for. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Going to be honest. But, yeah. But you're right that we have a very, you know, we've been together 20 yeah. years. And it is, we're very lucky. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, being in a really healthy relationship for 18 months, and I call it healthy because we were communicating and just how it had to end eventually. Yeah. I just would like to share that with someone. Mm. Yeah, and you you deserve it. That's, that's, you I deserve, think so too. You, <laughs> you, you know, but you do. You deserve to be loved. I do. And, you know, and as, to love. Yeah, and yeah. You know, I'm still young. I'm three years, you know, that thing that I experienced, I'm, it's like, yeah. oh, like let's not rush this. Let's not rush love. Let's not rush and find someone to just have a baby with. Like just let's put these eggs in a freezer and just go enjoy life and live moment to moment and you know, mm-hmm. go on dates and catch up with friends and travel the world. And I'm so grateful I got to go to Europe and be in there because I just felt like, oh, this is Diana. Yeah. yeah. I just felt like this is who, this is the point where I've worked so hard to be where I need to be and I feel so free. You are so good at facing the pain oh, God. time <laughs> and time again. It's actually awe-inspiring and incredible because so many people just push it down, push it down. And I get that. I understand that. Mm. But you have just looked it right in the face and very fresh for you coming out of a relationship, talking about it already. You know, like all of that, that's just the maturity that, you know, you've grown into. Yeah. Well, I don't know what other life to live. Like Mm. I don't want to, I don't hate him for this person who didn't give me his sperm and, <laughs> and promised me a life in Switzerland, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> but um, I just can't live in a life that's blaming because that goes back to the shame. Mm. Yeah. And so I, it's like, okay, this happened. I'm not okay. Let's go for a walk. <laughs> a big one. <laughs> big one. <laughs> and, yeah, four months later I just feel, I feel like I'm really happy. You know, it's acceptance. Yes, that's what you reach. And forgiveness, yeah. like forgiving yourself that it didn't work out, forgiving them for not having, you know, like it couldn't be what it was meant to be, like you mm. hoped it to be. Are you at the point now, it's only four months on mm. or, you know, years on from other things that have happened in your yes. life, are you at a point um, with some things, certainly not everything, a point of gratitude? I mean, you're at a point of gratitude with your mum. Oh, yeah. 
I guess you're grateful for lots of the failures that you've talked about. Yes. Actually, you haven't really had any failures that I can <laughs> note. You talked about We're waiting embracing for failures and there yeah. have been none. Yeah. It's um, been awards. It's been but also, I would like to say that I have lost thousands of dollars at comedy festival shows, mm. right? Everyone does. Yes. But you, so you can't call that a failure though. No. That's like standard. Well, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, 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 still, still here. And you're still doing it, <laughs> still right? Doing it. Yes. Yeah. But what but to Mimi's point, mm. what what things are you grateful for that have contributed to the person you are now? Oh, what am I grateful for? I'm grateful that um, I am unique and I get to do whatever the fuck I want. Yes. Mm. Oh, I right. that. that gave me chills. Yeah. I, that's, that's owning me and me only and I can do whatever. Yeah, I can just do whatever. Yeah. Um, and people can eat popcorn and watch it if they want to. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I just, my week's never the same and I feel like that's, that's my creative entrepreneur. Like I, I don't have a nine-to-five job so I can move, flow, have a break on that Wednesday or, you know, go for a trip for seven weeks and still be able to come back and not go, I'm poor. I'm like, yeah, just, I'm just You are grateful. living in abundance. I am. Yeah. Yeah, I just, and I, I want to share that with other people because I believe in the pay it forward. Like whatever you take, you got to give it back tenfold and I feel that so much in me. Mm. Yeah, it's oh you your your I mean your gift is communicating right yeah. through many different ways mm. whether it's your body whether it's comedy whether it's writing you wrote a you wrote a play for MTC yes. you know like so you you are multi talented as far as how you communicate that mm. that is your gift and by sharing your story other people will be able to go ah oh, I'm not I don't need to be in my shame anymore yeah and I don't want anyone to feel the shame. Mm. for that long that I did yeah like for me it's like how do how do we ch- change a whole era of women <laughs> that you yeah know. how do we can you just yeah. write that out for us because oh, cr- I think cr- this curriculum. is the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if we can change the world but we can change to who we speak to I yeah. think you're doing it though Where no. it, the, the how is literally what you're doing yeah. is by Talking isn't yeah, that it, it is? But you're doing it too, Mimi. Every you're time, doing it too. You know, yeah. it, but isn't it? Isn't it? We change ourselves mm-hmm. in order to change the world. It's kind of you that have to leading yeah. by example, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. either consciously or unconsciously. But when you do, you know, when you're doing it for good and you're just wanting to be of service and you're talking about giving tenfold back for yes. everything that you take. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is life changing, <laughs> not only for you but everybody that you touch. Yeah. Well. I give an example of my show this year, Going All In. I So half my audience are usually Vietnamese or Asian Asians who come. I've never seen comedy. I've never really gone outside the door. And that excites me that you can bring people who've never seen art, live art, and sit in the audience. But when I went to the sex section of my show, you could feel like half the room go, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but I realised, no, but we need to be sex positive. We want yes. to change. Let's like talk about our, our bodies and what it does and, um, you know. And so I know for me that's empowering to speak about sex in a funny way because for most Asian Australians who do, you know, find their partners, usually their first or second partner, mm. And so I always go, have you explored anything else in your, like, you know, and so I'm very curious about that. And so I'm hoping that I give them some fire to go back into their mm. bedrooms. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, so, yeah, so for me that show was like, 
I'm here to tease you. Let's play, yes. you know. Yeah. I love so it. I wonder what, whether it's both, you know, uh, members of the couple have actually attended the show or just one. <laughs> one of them. And then they go home. They're like, like what? what's what happened? Yeah, yeah. You're going to the comedy festival again. <laughs> Hey, so this is a good segue. Um, We bring a little sort of feature in the show each week, which is uh, an origin story of a well-known thing, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes we reveal it. It's a surprise. But in this instance, I will tell you, it's the origin of the joke, right? Because I have here the world's oldest recorded joke. Whoa. Look, Mimi, are you all right? (laughs) (laughs) How? How? Historians were able to trace it back. (laughs) <laughs> they found it on a toilet wall. I don't oh. know. Um, yeah, histori- historians have been able to trace this back to 1900 BC, right? The world's oldest joke, which it was it originated somewhere southern Iraq, they say, okay? It translates as something which has never occurred since time immemorial. I need a waka, waka, waka. It's like a, I say, I say, I say, something which has never occurred since time immemorial. A young woman did not fart in her husband's lap, right? <laughs> which is obviously they're being sarcastic. Yes. Uh, and I read that and I went, God damn it, men were the first people to write jokes. Mm. Well, the first time it was recorded, it was a man's joke. Yes, the victors record history. That's right. Mm. Whereas the women's jokes, I'm sure, weren't necessarily about the fact that a woman farted in husband's jokes. Mm. I bet you've told fart jokes, though, Diana. Oh, Oh. sorry, not (laughs) doing fart jokes. They are funny at times. (laughs) So that's the world's oldest joke. Mm. And I it led me to wonder. Why comedy for you? Oh, and what was the first time you went, I'm going to tell jokes for a living? Yeah, because you could have found joy in the cello. Yes, I could have. Or ballet. Yes. Piano. Uh, So comedy was a shield from the bullies in primary school because growing up it was very disruptive moving from school to school because of the domestic violence. Oh, full circle, guys. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) I just felt like um, when I made people laugh, they didn't have to see me. Yes. Mm. <laughs> so it was a very... like, quick, look over there yeah, at the yeah. joke that ha, I made. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that that was probably the first key into that. But in grade six I remember standing up at show and tell in the classroom, Mrs Galizzi's class, and I stood up and saying, when I grow up I want to be a musical conductor mm-hmm. or a comedian. Wow. Yeah. And look at you now. I know. When are you going to be a conductor? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you, you could. You're doctor, you're comedian, <laughs> dancer. Well, when I was on the Camino, so people don't know this, that you sleep in bunk bedrooms with 50 people and at 10. Oh, is that all? Yeah. At, oh, so there's 100 people in a room. At 10 p.m. there's an orchestra of snoring mm. and it's stunning. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be into that, to be honest. So I've been close. That's one of the closest I've been to conducting. (laughs) Wow. And then was there a person or was there a moment where you like, like what was your big break? What was your first actual gig? Our first big gig was uh, Fee Fee and Me. So the the web series I co-created performed at the Guildford Lane 2011. I produced it. We sold out three and a half weeks. People lined up to watch our show. And we got four stars in Herald Sun, which no Herald Sun never really comes out and watch Vietnamese Asian comedy. <laughs> and they did, but it was our people laughing. And I remember this key moment. It's always it's stuck with me. There's one sketch that we don't translate to the white audience. 
And you could see our audience interacting with the Vietnamese people in the audience, like, what did they say? What did they say? Oh, I love that. And it was just like, yes. Oh, Di, that's so clever. That's yes. brilliant. I know. And I get goosebumps, but I was like, fuck yes, we did it. Yeah. That's yeah. really clever. And what I love about all of your creativity, there's always depth to it. Oh, you think so much about it. What is our last question for Our Diana? last question for mm. you, Diana, is what is your B? Hmm, what is my B? I think for my B is just to be here and no longer need to survive. Just there is no chaos, there is just peace. Diana Nguyen, thank you so much for being here now. Thank you for having me. With us. <laughs> Honestly, Diana, Diana, who did you know that she and her sisters are named after princesses? So we have for the royal family. Diana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Princess Anne, Anne and Princess and- Sarah Fergie. Yeah. Oh, very How cute is that? Very refugee. refugee. So beautiful. We love you. Thank you for listening. We love you joining us for our A to B chats. Yes, we do. Please see our show notes for our acknowledgement of country and all the people who help us put this podcast together, as well as interesting links to our guests' work and other references we've mentioned. We're Joe And Mimi from A to B. Rate, follow and get in touch on our website. And let us know whose A to B you'd like to find out about. We can't wait for you to hear our next conversation. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.